0: You're listening to Sunversations, where we talk about any and everything under the sun. You name it, we can talk about it. On this podcast, we have hard conversations, we promote each other, we bring awareness, and some topics are just for your entertainment purposes only, to bring laughter. Overall, we just want to add value and humor into your day. I am your host, Caprina. All right, so thank you guys for joining us tonight for another episode of Conversations. Today is the um, third series of a three-part series about second chances for people who served time in prison, came out, um, did positive things in prison and now doing positive things outside of prison. I'm so excited about DeVell Hawkins uh, with us tonight. I met DeVell on Clubhouse. You know, Clubhouse was a big thing and you know, everybody's on Clubhouse every day. And I was in a room, I don't know what room it was we met in, but I, it probably was a podcasting room about something. And I heard your story and I said, let me go to Instagram and hit him up. He responded quickly. Like he was excited about sharing his story and he told me whenever I was ready to hit him up. So I hit him up. Um, he's a Florida native and his story was so compelling. That I needed him to bless us with his story, and I'll let you tell it to him. But it's inspiring. Um, the pieces that I do know is that he served. Uh, you were sentenced 22 years, served 15 years. I'll let you clarify that for me. You went in prison. You had dyslexia. You got your G. B. Y. U. in prison. You wrote three books while you're in prison, and you are number one best selling author on Amazon, and you're working on a fourth book. So that's amazing. So without further ado, I summarized it correct me where I was wrong, but before I get started with my questions, just give us a summary about yourself, Um, like a little introduction and then I'll go from there.
1: Well, as you already said, my name is DeVell Hawkins. I'm from Winter Haven, Florida. Um, I was born and raised right here in the same community. Uh, This is the same community I, I went to prison in, caught like substantial amount of time in a federal prison and um, I returned home just a little over a year ago and I'm back here in this community, but this time I'm doing things totally different from my past. So um, yeah, I have a single, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, She drove school buses for like many years, like 30 plus years, Uh, she, she drove school buses uh, our house always been like an open door for the kids in the community mm-hmm. which uh, she accepted and um, loved every kid in the community as her own a hard-working um, woman to take care of the three kids that she had um and I was the youngest of the three and the youngest what being the,
0: what were the differences in being ages? the
1: youngest uh, you know what? I done did so much time in prison. I don't even know how old my brother and sister is no more.
0: Wow, was it close? But they're older like,
1: than me. I mean, okay. I'm just, I'm just really being funny right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I have a habit of doing that. You know, I show personality on my show, my personality and everything right there. But my sister is the oldest of us three, and then I have a, a brother that's older than me. My sister is like, uh, forty, like forty eight years old. Mm-hmm. She killed me, and she hear me say that. Um, and my brother is like 46. So, Sorry,
0: sister. I wasn't asking for the exact age. I just wanted to know the differences. In-
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not going to come mean, from they, me. They, <laughs> they, yeah, they real old, man. They real old. Not real old. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But anyways, you know, um, I was the youngest of the three raised by my mom. And I was also the baddest of the three mm-hmm. raised by my mom. If my brother and sister did not know how to fight growing up, I taught them how to fight because I stayed on. I ain't yeah. play with them. I stayed on. I would I would grab one arm in a minute or hit one arm in a minute and make them fight me. <laughs> so I think being the youngest of the three and, and, the, and the baddest of the three, I think I actually taught my big brother and my big sister how to fight. Cause they out, they always had to whoop on me, because I, hey, I had an attitude problem.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about that attitude yeah. of playing? Why did you have that kind of attitude? Is it like you had something to prove because you were the youngest or were you exposed? No, it
1: wasn't that I had anything to prove, um, you know, coming up through school. Um, as you know already that many people don't know, I couldn't read and write coming up through school. I be, I was dyslexic, um, but I was always good at sports and things like that. So what happened is I used to take a lot of my... Um, I used to hide the fact that I couldn't read and write with aggression. Mm. So if you ask me a question and it's pertaining to reading the writing or, or reading something out loud, mm-hmm. you will receive an attitude issue with me. Because I would make it, I would make it like you insulted me or something, anything, just the, the tone of your voice asking me just to just
0: to divert the fact that you can't even answer the question because you don't know the answer.
1: (laughs) Right, right, you know, so I use that as my um, escape. Mm -hmm. So what happened is that aggression, um, it got worse and worse because I was basically raised by my community and my environment as well because we always been in a poverty area and you walk outside the door, everything that you can think of in a poverty area was going on Mm -hmm. right outside the door, you know, Mm -hmm. right right on the street behind the house or whatever and that's when i basically became a part of, of my environment okay so so yeah, what age
0: so, were you when you were in school at what age did you find out that that was the problem that you had dyslexia um
1: did you go I, testing? I, I actually i actually noticed it in the third grade okay but you know i kind of was trying to hide it from my, my mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked for a little while because she was so she was so busy uh, working two jobs, trying to maintain and, you know, keep up the household and pay all the bills, take care of us and all of that. So it kind of worked for a couple of years. But then when I got like to the fifth grade, you know, everything hit the fan. And uh, my fifth grade teacher actually spoken with her and had a, you know, conversation about, me and my education and what was really going on with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I always have to say her name, Ms. Hall. Ms. Hall was my fifth grade teacher, man. And and she was a white female. She was kind of short. She was so adorable. She was so, I mean, she took up time with me like I was her own child. And she was determined to help me learn how to read and write. Uh, She was trying to figure out a better way to uh, make my situation better. And she went over and beyond her job. Are you in to, contact uh, with her
0: now or have you
1: spoken um, to her? Before? I, haven't, I haven't heard from her. Um, I really don't even know how to get in contact with her. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if she's still here with us, I would love to see her again because this is something that she always believed that I would do. And you know, I kind of get a little emotional about that because I remember them days like vividly.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm getting emotional. I'm like, if I was her and and you reach out to me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I touched this little boy and look at what he's doing now. So I wish there was a way you can try to find out, like go to the school. There's no way the school can tell you how to reach her or she's retired or.
1: I never, I never even tried, but since you just gave me an idea, you know, I played football, I played football for a husband. So yeah, I passed by the school that I went to all the time. It was Ghana Elementary, right there on Havendale Boulevard. Um, so you just gave me an idea and I, I would definitely go and speak with the principal there and yeah. see if there's a way that, you know, I can kind of contact her or, or, or have her call me or whatever.
0: Yeah, because she, she always
1: believed that I will have some type of um, high school education. She wasn't believing that I, that I wasn't capable. She right. told, always told me if I work hard enough, I will achieve that. So yeah, I would definitely go out to the school and speak with her about it.
0: And that stuck with you, obviously, you know, that, that was embedded in you. So it helped you moving forward.
1: So once yeah, you I guess it was the seed, the seed, she planted that seed right. and the seed started growing as I of age.
0: Right. So we talk about third grade to fifth grade you found out the teacher was helping you at what point? Okay, now you know you have dyslexia. Now your teacher's working with you, your mom knows. So then what happened? Like at what point do you start really getting in trouble in the streets and let's talk about between there and then what you were doing and what you went to prison for.
1: Um basically I was a hard head. So although she took the time to, you know, work with me and try and figure out the best way for me to learn, mm-hmm. I was still hard headed. I was still, you know, uh, one of the baddest kids in the neighborhood. I was a troublemaker. I was a, I was a bully in a sense, you know, um, because I used to use a lot of aggression. So um, I, I ended up being a product of my environment because I was in my environment more than I was in school. So, you know, at an early age, you know, I started breaking the law and I used to like breaking the law. So that was one of the things that- was the first
0: crime you committed as a kid.
1: Oh, I I stole a bicycle. I stole somebody's bicycle. You know, we went to the uh, more uh, fortunate uh, community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, a uh, bicycle was the first that I I ever um crime I ever committed by stealing a bicycle. But I went from stealing a bicycle to actually stealing cars. I taught myself how to uh, drive by stealing cars. Um wow. I wrecked so I wrecked so many people cars <laughs> as a kid, you know. I steal them people cars wreck wrecked them people cars, I learned how to drive, ran it from the police, you know, and um so I tore up a lot of cars that didn't belong to me. Um for all the cars that I stole, I'm sorry, people, but I <laughs> had to learn how to drive. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so you yeah, stole cars
0: and then what else did you do? Like what, I, what cars I, did you get
1: caught? I sold drugs. I sold drugs. Uh I started robbing. And the one thing earlier in my life uh committing crimes, what I what I noticed was um, okay, if I go in the suburbs or in a um in a community that's better than mine. And I rob uh, someone, right? These are hardworking people. These are uh, honest people. People that, you know, um, they never did anything to nobody that I, I don't believe. Maybe, but I mean, nothing too bad. I wouldn't think, you know, these retired people and or whatever, or um, currently working people own businesses if I go in their in their community and rob one of them people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I get caught, I will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Right. If I get caught, they will come to court and they will point my black self out mm-hmm. with the biggest finger that they have on their hand. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So what I learned earlier is um, that. Why not rob the drug dealers? They're breaking the law too.
0: Hmm.
1: So I used to rob, I used to rob a lot of drug dealers. And it was like, to me, it was like we'll we'll hold war in the streets instead of holding it in the courts. Hmm. Now, I I I I I did have um a couple of drug dealers did call the police on me before for robbing them for drugs and money, which is funny because guess what? I'ma go to trial. And I know y'all ain't gonna come to trial you because yeah, your gonna... street your street yeah. credit ain't gonna allow you to come to trial <laughs> and point me out with the biggest finger on your on your yeah. hand. You know what I mean? Because you wanna uphold a, a certain image in the streets. They trying I to mean, stay away don't...
0: from the courthouse as, as far as possible. Right.
1: All right. If you come to court on me, I don't want you for your drugs or whatever. Now you now you gotta think about well, he you know I sell drugs. I mean, now the policeman finna know I sell drugs. Mm-hmm. What will he do if I come to court? So it's a lot of things gonna go through someone's head, you know, in that in that that position. Right. And um, I got close, real one. I got really, really close one time of going to trial for robbing a drug dealer, and we got the trial. He left. He left trial. <laughs> he really. Stand it. It, so yeah, it started, it, it,
0: and he just stopped showing up.
1: Right. Right. So the prosecutor case just uh just blowed up right in his face, you know. And um wow. it wasn't it wasn't no bluff on my end, I was going to trial all the way because I at that point of time in my life, I was like, I was in the mindset of okay, yeah. I, I'm gonna go to trial. And if you come to court and you point me out, I'll get out one day and I promise you you'll see me again. And it's gonna oh, be in the worst wow. way possible. You know, so <laughs> I had that state of mind. You know what I mean? So I wasn't worried about nobody coming to court on me anyway.
0: So what happened because with that case when you uh, when you went that far with that drug dealer? When the case dropped, did y'all ever see each other in the streets again? And what happened at that point? I've been well, no. I'm like. <laughs> to,
1: to be honest with you, I ain't never seen this guy no more in my life. Really? Oh uh, yeah, I think he moved. He moved to another city somewhere. Okay. Yeah. So that
0: worked out for the for the both of you, I'm
1: sure. <laughs> it worked out for him because I was gonna rob him again. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I I, I kind of like to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a black. I mean, God has blessed me like tremendously. Like God has blessed me. I think God spoiled me. in a sense. I just did 15 years on a 22 year sentence. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm still living. I'm still here to talk about it. Not only that, I have also been in, uh, shootouts I've been in, um, I was in a car one time that got shot up so bad, the whole car is total. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had at least seven different people with seven different guns shoot this car up and it wow. was four people in the car. I was in the back seat behind the driver and it was four of us in, in, in this car that got shot up. It was in this. It was in um, Payne City, Florida. And everybody in that car got hit, itself for me. Wow. So you've been right. covered from day one. <laughs> God had His hands on me from day one. It, it, I haven't served my purpose yet. That's why I'm still here. Right. When I serve my purpose, I'm gonna be long gone.
0: Yeah, your purpose is just starting. You know,
1: it just started. So you <laughs> know, I I mean, I think God spoiled me, man. I think I'm I think I'm His favorite child.
0: I'm telling you, that's when and I heard your story. I was like, how is this? Like, I because I watch. I have a guilty pleasure. I watch prison shows and all that. You know, you, they go to jail, they get out, they go back in. There's nothing compelling about it. But when I heard your story, I'm like, how could, cause I couldn't imagine serving even one day in jail. Like I'll I just probably get deflated. I'm pretty sure you have to fight lawyers appeal after appeal. And at some point you get deflated, yep. but you keep pushing. Like, I just couldn't imagine. I'm a very strong individual, but I just couldn't imagine being in that situation and keep on pushing. I would have probably just gave up and say, you know what, I'll just do my 22 and wait till I get out. I don't know, but it's just amazing. So, so you went through all that. So how did you finally get caught to, they just finally caught well, up? Let me let, me,
1: let me, let me just share this one story with you okay. before I get into my actual prison sentence that I just served 15 years on, right? Okay. Okay, I was out here in these streets and I was terrorizing these streets and I was robbing these drug dealers and mo- majority of the time I robbed with no mask. I let them see my face because, you know, um, I-, I-, I will push them to the limit. Like it's either me and you, either you got mm-hmm. the heart or the guts to kill me or if you come back and retaliate, you best believe I I, I had a heart and the guts. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I-, I did a lot of things and it was kind of like, uh, I was death struck in a sense and everything. And then all of a sudden um, I was getting away with so many crimes and I was getting away with so much to the point to where um, I, ran and I ran into a, a sheriff officer and I ran into this sheriff officer and he worked at the community that I actually lived in. Okay. which was At the time it was one of the, it was the largest drug community in the whole state of Florida. So he worked at this community and uh, we had a conversation. Um, the conversation just happened. And I connected with him, and all of a sudden, he went to giving me information on people who I already was kind of like looking at, as far as like people I wanted to rob or people I wanted to, you know, drug dealers that I wanted to, you know, uh, to rob or whatever. So right. he went to give me information. And we became partners. because oh, so he knew the ins and outs
0: of out to the street already, so he just helped you out.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he, you know, he already know a lot of things. You got to keep in mind, he's a sheriff officer, right. right? So he he know a lot of things that I don't know. I know some stuff that he don't know, but he know some stuff that I don't know. And sometimes people whereabouts. Uh, a lot of these drugs is like the live in places that don't nobody live, know where they live, but you know they'll mm-hmm. come out and sell drugs and. In, in certain areas, but then they'll go home at night thinking that they can sleep well, comfortable, and they don't have to worry about nobody. Isn't so that I something? had this,
0: They sell drugs right. in their own community and go live in lavish somewhere else and just. Right. Anyway. Right.
1: So I, I used to be living lavish too because sometimes they'll come home, I'll already be in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know. Um, big, big, <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, your turn, it's your turn, partner.
0: Dang, so you just be at the house and they show up and you there, like smiling.
1: man. I, I, yeah, all of that. Ooh. Sometimes I used to go in there while they did I'd be in there sometimes. They don't even know I'm in there until so I I'd make myself, you know, visible. Oh, you was bold, make myself known. So, you were just uh, out here uh just feasting it, <laughs> right? So, so one time, um, I had an incident one time with, with, with a group of guys, and they some Jamaican guys. And I had an incident with them one time, and they threatened to, to have me knocked off. How about the, the officer came and told me, say, hey, I talked to these Jamaican guys, man, look, they, they, they putting the hit out on you. They, they finna hire somebody to come get your head, man. So I'm like, OK, you're going to sit here and tell me this, but you ain't going to do nothing about it? OK, now I'm finna force your hand. Right. So I told the uh, sheriff officer, he was actually on duty this day. I'm talking about he was in the car with the blue and red lights on the top. So I told him straight up to his pal, say, well, listen, since you told me that, how about I'm going to go riding there right now where he at, and I'm going to blow his head off. How about that? And I, and I stormed off, you know, got in my car, made the tires, Papa Willie, so he like, I pushed his hand. But see, what he didn't know is I was doing everything on purpose when he told me that. I as soon as to he told me, I put a, I put a plan in place as soon as you mm-hmm. told me that, because now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a big deal out of this situation. And the reason I'm going to make a big deal out of this situation, because if I don't wake up tomorrow, they know who to investigate. Hmm.
0: Okay.
1: You see what I'm saying? Yep. So they know who to target. So let me make a big deal out of this situation. You know, I mean. At that point, you, how I'll,
0: many years have y'all been um, allied?
1: Um it, maybe like a, a close to a year, not even a full not year. Not that long. Okay. No, okay. It, it hadn't been that long. Not even it hadn't been that long. But you know, uh, you know, dealing with him, I mean, dealing with him, I was able to come up on a hundred thousand dollars like like blanking your eyes, like boom, boom, or oh, they go a hundred thousand, boom, boom, they go a hundred thousand. You know, so I mean, so he has fantastic. Yeah, he had some good information for me, but it was up to me to execute, you know, from the information that I, I received from him. So, um, yeah, so I, I went around there and I knocked on the Jamaicans door. They done peeked out the door. They seen me, seen my car in the middle of the road and still running or whatever. And um, they didn't come to the door. They was in there doing something. I don't know what they were doing. So when I walked off to, to leave, then somebody peeked their head out the door, Say, hey, What's up? Like, whatever, whatever. So it was the same, very same guy who who he told me about.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I went to walking back up in the yard. And while I'm walking back up in the yard, you know, I'm talking all my smack, you know, uh, all the language you can think of that's that's not appropriate for, for right now. And and I'm like,
0: it's a grown folks audience, but you know,
1: right. I'm like God's like, child now.
0: God.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm walking back up to him, I'm talking my smack. And then next thing you know, uh, you got his brothers and his cousins and his homeboys and his granddad and his great granddad and everybody else coming from the back of the house with guns at me, you know what oh I mean? Oh my gosh. And um, I'm sitting there now surrounded by these guys and um, I got all these guns and stuff pointed on me, but guess what? The officer right there. No, the officer wasn't there yet, I was there by myself. Okay. So if they wanted to kill me, y'all got the opportunity right now to kill me, but guess what? They think I'm crazy because when, when, when they pulled the guns out on me and they got me pretty much surrounded right here in this yard, guess what I do? What? Mother, you going to shoot me, shoot me <laughs> right mother, nah, I don't give up I'm, listen, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. You want to shoot me? You want to kill somebody? Shoot me right now. I'm ready to die. they confused. So, you know, I just, yeah, so I'm, I'm acting a fool like, like I came around here to die. So I'm trying I to visualize this.
0: So I never met you in person. How tall are you? Like at this point, are you like over six feet? You
1: look like you're pretty tall. Yeah, I'm 6'3. Six, I'm, six three. I'm six three. Okay,
0: so this is a six foot guy in a yard yelling crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm and, and I'm looking at each and every last one on. You know, I got all this hand motion going on. I'm beating myself on the chest like, 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 yeah, I came around here to die. You know, y'all want an issue with me? Here go your opportunity right now. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. You know, oh. so I'm kind of like going crazy, but I'm buying time. And, and, and all of a sudden, I'm, I done got it to their head now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, y'all really ain't got the heart. Y'all really ain't no killers. Mm-hmm. So I'm showing the aggression and my aggression wins again. My aggression wins again against the gun. You hear me?
0: They confused. they like, now. man,
1: they like, this is what they saying. This can't be the dude who robbed us because he, he don't give a, but I don't The It's a case. That, I don't know what they're thinking, right? I don't, I don't know what they're thinking, but you know, anybody who done robbed somebody ain't going to act the way that I acted that day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm approaching them about it.
0: So you think part of that was because you were upset at the sheriff? For not having your back so you was like shoot we we both about to go right. down is that what you Yeah, at? It,
1: it's going it's, <laughs> it's going I, i'm talking about it's going down right now i ain't go get none of my homies i ain't go get nobody because i ain't trust nobody anyway you mm-hmm. know what i mean when it comes to a serious situation like that i ain't never run to get my homies. what, what are they gonna do they gonna they gonna be the first one call the police and tell the police me. yeah so i ain't running to get no homies i got very, i got i got on my one hand I could probably use two fingers (laughs) of the people I would trust. You know what I mean? So, um, anyway, anyway, with me buying time, how about the same sheriff officer who gave me the information he pulled up his lights coming up the road, but they don't know what sheriff officer, this. they just see police lights coming up the road. Right. Mm -hmm. So, when the police cars coming up the road, they get scared and they run back in the house. All right? All right, to make a long story short. <clears throat> this is good. To make, a long, to, to make a long story short, right? The sheriff also pull up and he done panic, right? I wanted him to panic too. He pull up and he panicked and he done called back up. He done called the, the National Guard. He done called the president security. He don't call, You don't yeah. call the snipers, he don't call everybody he can call, right? So all of these sheriff officers, all these people, they coming, they coming to the scene, right? And now, he see I'm still there by myself. He like, okay, you need to leave, you need to leave, hurry up and leave, because, you know, before I could get in my car to pull off, I was getting blocked in by squad cars and all kind of sheriff cars and stuff like that was blocking me in telling me to get out the car, get out the car, don't don't go nowhere, get out the car. And then just to make a long story short, his boss man um, was there. And one of the Jamaicans walked up to the sheriff officer who gave me the information with a towel and there was a gun wrapped up in the towel. So he walked up to the sheriff officer, get him the towel with the gun in it and say, he came around here with this gun. And I'm looking like wait, who he who is he? Who came around here with what? You know, that's how I'm looking. He pointed at me and say he came around here with this gun. Hmm. So I, I immediately say, if I came around here with the gun, what the hell he doing with
0: it? Yeah, like what why would you let it go? Why didn't you? Use you that? know what I'm
1: saying? <laughs> so his boss, his boss, the sheriff officer boss, um told him to arrest me for that. So oh. the same sheriff officer. That's helping me commit crimes becomes the arresting officer in a possession of firearm by convicted be- by convicted felony case, right? That sent me to the Fed for having a gun because I'm a convicted felon, right? Mm-hmm. So I get in the federal system and I'm in the um, county jail fighting this case, and I read my police report and the police report. It sounds like somebody's scared to say that I had the gun. <laughs>
0: yeah, with your fingerprints or anything on the gun, they couldn't prove. No,
1: no, nah, no, nobody fingerprint. This is a clean gun. Okay. Nobody fingerprints is on it. It's a clean gun. So I'm going to trial on this because I know this arresting officer, you don't want to arrest me. So you got to come to trial. You got to testify against me, dog. Hmm. I don't think you want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want to do that, dog. So I'm pushing them. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing them because doing my trial, they're gonna know you the one sent me around there now. Yeah. Doing my trial, you they're gonna know that this home invasion and this dude got shot up down there. You the one sent me now. You don't want to come to trial, bro. You don't want to come to trial. Oh, so, never I up. so I put no. What happened was when I got when I got to to trial. The day to pick my jury, I walk in the courtroom, nobody in the courtroom, nobody in the courtroom for me to pick a jury. So what happened is the officer who arrested me ended up on investigation himself before I could get to trial. So now they got information that he was involved with some of the stuff that I had already did. And then he was involved with drugs being traffic in and out of Polk County.
0: So, who would have told him that if you didn't say anything? Just you think somebody else was.
1: It was, it was this, this was bigger than me and him. Okay. So, it was a perfect timing for you. This, <laughs> it was a perfect time for me because look, it wasn't only him on the investigation, he had some homeboys on the investigation as well. And these Jokers here was in a conspiracy with over $50 million wow. or something like over $5 million. My bad, not $50 well, you but $5 million. You say homeboys, these are other officers. All the oh. officers involved with wow. him as well are uh, helping drug dealers traffic cocaine and money and all kinds of narcotics across the state. It was a they team. Of this,
0: there was dirty cops then. There's dirty cops. I mean, they just. It's just what it is.
1: They was. They was looking out for each other. Now this was bigger than me. This is something that I didn't even much know about. Now wow. we got a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. The whole case that I'm charged with possession of firearm by convicted felon, which I never had this gun right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Blowed up in the prosecutor face. So guess what, DeVale Hawkins escapes again. <laughs> wow! <laughs> how about that? I thought
0: this was the so time you were about to go in. So
1: yeah, yeah, they wow. thought they had me. Hey, and hey, hey, man, let me tell you how arrogant these people are. These people asked me to sign a deal for three years, and y'all like, ain't got no case. Oh no! I said, man, y'all might well call every jury y'all can think of and get them up here because I'm ready to pick them wow they went on here to let me go they had one last I thought
0: they thought you was dumb enough to say okay and sign yeah, the they,
1: they, they knew my mm-hmm. education level was low okay. one thing about the feds when they got you they know everything about you yeah they know stuff that i ain't must know wow i ain't know they knew but
0: That's they scary. can't prove
1: it. it ain't what you know is what you can prove yeah so um yeah i got away from them that time and then after that Um, now I'm gonna break down this 15, this 22 year sentence. Okay. Two years later, after I get away from them again, they double back, they come back and they get me now, not for the same crime, not for the same charge. I'm steady in my own community and I let, and I let a homie live with me. And I told him not to sell no drugs out the house. Now this two years later, after I done, escape and beat the feds again. Mm-hmm. Well for the first time. Okay. And um <clears throat> I say, man, don't sell no drugs out the house. Okay, one day while I'm gone, he sell the drugs out the house. Okay, that gave the local police um department probable calls to go get a search warrant. Mm-hmm. They get a search warrant, when they get a search warrant, they came in, they bust my house and they pulled my they pulled my homie out, out the house and they pulled me out the house. They find the drugs and everything. And at the time, I don't know. I don't know how this happened, but my homie had a uh, underage female in the room with him. At the time, she was underage. She shouldn't have never been there. At the but time they bust in the
0: house.
1: The time that, that when they came in and they bust the house, right? I ain't have no clue who she was or where, but she was from Haines City, though. And um, I don't know how that. I don't know how that passed them. I don't know how that got by them. They, they was so after me, they didn't even pay that part no attention. Um, So they had both of us charged with the same charges. My homeboy was in the backseat of the police car while we was riding to the police station. And I don't care if you get mad, I hope you see this interview. He was boohoo crying like a stone cold.
0: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you
1: hear me? I'm talking about boohoo crying, tears. <laughs>
0: This must be and his I'm first about, time getting
1: in trouble. Then, no, man, I joke, joking. I've been in trouble before. Okay, listen, but he was crying like when you were a kid and you be like, you make, you like make snot. the noise, you, you make the noise in the in the, the snotter, go all that, go to going, yeah. He was crying like that, <laughs> and the other he was in say, trouble. Yeah, he knew he was in trouble. He done got in trouble. Dang. <laughs> So uh, she was like, what's wrong with him? I said, man, I don't know. Man, we got to the police station. I told them people like this right here. I said, listen, y'all let him go. (laughs) Charge me with everything you're going to charge me with. Y'all let him go. Because I know he's going to testify against me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's
0: true. That makes sense. That was smart. So they let him go.
1: Yeah, so they let him go. So um, I ended up with a 22-year sentence after that. And when I ended up with a 22-year sentence, man, um, my mother, in the conversations that I had with my mother, changed my life. Changed my life. I kind of get emotional about it. Do I need
0: to get my tissue? I feel like I need to get my tissue right now. That's okay. We are talking about it. this is the this is the real. I'm gonna start
1: like he would crying. Yeah. Mama's gonna cry Yeah, cause yeah. I, yeah, send me some tissue real quick. I'm gonna start crying <laughs> like he was crying go. for real. <laughs> All right, but listen though, my, my People keep calling. Stop calling That's okay. My mother, um. I have been hurting my mom all my life. I've been hurting this lady, you know what I mean? Cause I just went do right, went get it together. So I basically made a promise to her and told her, I said, mom, I know I got 22 years and I don't know if I'm gonna see you again. I don't know if I'm gonna make it home again. This time is for real, you know? Yeah. So, um. I made a promise to her that I was gonna change and do better. Because this woman made the world to me. She she took care of us and she fought all her life. She wanted the best for her kids. Right. So when I made that promise to my mom, I'm still riding that same wave right now today. You hear me?
0: Is your mom still alive and are you still? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's still alive. I just in fact she's starting to. Yeah, so um I just as a matter of fact, I just left around now before I came to do this interview with you. And um <clears throat> that's a blessing in itself. Yeah. So so yeah. I decided to educate myself. And I educated myself and I put away my pride. I asked for the help. I asked how how to pronounce this word, how to spell this word. I might write one word on a piece of paper a thousand times just to get familiar with the word and try to understand the word and how to pronounce it, what it means and everything. So it took me seven years to get my GED. I ain't so know stop I there. So
0: when you, when you got locked up, at what year did you decide? Was it a year later, two years later or immediately you decided I'm getting my GED?
1: It was like a year and a half, about two years later I can mm-hmm. say about two years later, because my first two years, I was kind of like, I was in a relationship when I first went in, in 2005, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was in a relationship, I was 28 years old at the time, and um, I was actually in, I, I was in love, but I didn't know I was in love until I got locked up, <laughs> it's funny how that works, it's funny how that works, but you know, you don't know until you miss her, <laughs> but man, I got locked up, and I realized, damn, I'm in love too. And I might not be getting that. <laughs> you were too busy. You was too yeah. busy in the streets. So, right, so, uh, man, that was crazy. I thought about my relationship so much to where I ain't even much think about what they sentenced me to. They told me they was giving me 200. I, I scored out to a life sentence, right? I scored out 30 to life, and I signed the deal. I signed the deal. I played it out, because I wasn't going to go to trial on this. So I played it out and I signed a deal for 30 to life. That's what I, I signed a deal for. Wow. I went to court and the judge say, "Well, for accepting responsibilities, I'm going to knock 3 levels off your sentence that'll take you down to 262 months. 262 months. You do the math." <laughs> so <I'm- laughs> I'm, I mean, I, I hear the 262 months and my, my my attorney told me that the 262 months is like 22 years or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if he was right or wrong, man. When I got back to my holding cell, when I got back to my cell, I was still counting the 262 months trying to figure out, dang, come up to 22 years? You know, I'm still doing the math. Yeah. Everybody done went home from the courthouse. Everybody home with their family. I'm still in the cell counting months. Yeah. You know. I went to prison. It's a year and a half later. I'm still counting 262 months. Well, how much? <laughs> That's all you hear is 262. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So by you know, two years later, I decided that that relationship was uh long past. It, it was it was done. And, you know, after then I had the conversations and stuff with my mom and everything started realizing, you know, how, how deeply I hurt her with with my actions, how I acted out here in these streets, how, how I continue to get myself in these situations and jams and stuff like that. And that's when I started to try and educate myself. I still deal with dyslexia right now today, mm-hmm. but it's to the point to where I can deal with it and I can kind of understand, uh, you know, some stuff that I'm reading and stuff. And um, you know, I go through my own little process when I write. Mm-hmm. I hate writing with a passion. Mm-hmm. I hate reading with a passion.
0: How you hate writing, but, but you got books.
1: <laughs> this is the this is the this is it's so unorthodox. It's like, you know, it's real. It's, this is the thing about it. As much as I hate it, I love the outcome. Right. The outcome is what keeps me motivated. Because when I can put a story together and I can write something and someone reads it and tell me how much they liked it, mm-hmm. that keeps me motivated. That keeps me going. Because now I'm doing this for more than me. I'm right. doing this for the people. I'm doing this for somebody. You know, Now I can inspire other people to do the same thing. If y'all understand where I come from. Mm-hmm. And these people in my community know me. They know where right. I come from.
0: You like that? You're pretty sure you're their hero, you know. Like, man. In a
1: sense, in no, a they sense, look up to you. you. Know? So, um, yeah, it took me seven years to get my GED, but I accomplished that. I got it, and after I got my GED, I, I decided to do something that I knew would be here when I'm dead and gone, and that's mm-hmm. a book. So if I can write a book, you know, um. It'll still be here when I'm going, and my kids. That's commendable
0: because people who suffer from dyslexia that can read and write it's hard enough for them. So here you are, right. you can't even read or write, and you have dyslexia. All in, you got this big old trio. So you have to learn right. to read and write, push through dyslexia. You wrote a book, so let's talk about that. Like, you do you write? Did you write the book in prison? Like, I mean, I know you did in prison. Yeah, when it? I was I in prison, on paper. How'd you get Pim- published? Pim-
1: like, Pim- I- listen. Pencil and paper. All right, that's it. You have nothing else in prison, yeah. and prison don't uh, don't have they don't have anything else enough for you to to do anything with. It's just pencil and paper. So the so, books that
0: you wrote, you just was it like my life, your life stories, or what?
1: What did no, you? No, I, I I started to write my life story, mm-hmm. and I quickly stopped. Because as soon as I started, I felt like I'll prosecute myself. Like I was the judge, I was the attorney, I was the prosecutor. I was everybody in the court. one well, like, hold on, let me stop. You
0: know. <laughs> and your life wasn't done yet. Like you was just, you was in the midst of, you haven't came on top of that yet. So you really can't write the story
1: yet. <laughs> right. So so um what I did was I decided to write a fiction story. I say, man, I done seen so much and know so much. How about I put together a story, make it fiction, about some of the things that I seen in life, I experienced in life, I know in life and everything. Let me just write up a fiction story, you know, that's close to some of the stuff that I I actually know about or seen or or whatever, you know? And and when I I wrote that story, I felt good about the story, but I didn't know how it was gonna get published. So what I did was and everybody can't do this. What I did was I put my pride away, and I and I made a phone call from uh, from a federal prison. I made a phone call to Tracy McGrady, who's an NBA basketball Hall of Fame superstar right now, play for so the Why Houston Tracy Runway.
0: McGrady? Why him?
1: Tracy McGrady. The reason why Tracy McGrady is because my little cousin Eric Anderson, who's no longer with us today. Mm-hmm. He, him and Tracy McGrady was best friends before uh, my little cousin died, uh, got killed, put it that way. He didn't die. Someone killed him. So <clears throat> I knew Tracy McGrady personally. I never had a, a relationship with him, though, but he he knew about me. He knew about me in these streets because he's from, like, Armandale, and I'm from Warner Haven. And Armandale and Warner Haven, they two cities that they, they kiss. They okay. read up on each other. So, you know, um we we definitely know each other personally and I wasn't the type of person that he would hang around or get caught around because he didn't know if he could trust me, like man, this man is a, a, a menace to society. He's a psychopath. What 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 Tracy mm-hmm. Creator doing hang around this guy? You know? So he mm-hmm. would never be like, you know, he speak to me and everything. He's a pretty cool person when you meet him in person and everything. Mm-hmm. Um and if you know him, he's, he's, he's really cool. So I just, I, I mean, I just took a shot at it. I say, you know what? I couldn't call my cousin who he was best friends with because my cousin is no longer here. And I didn't know how I was going to get published, but I did know about a company out of Houston, uh, not Houston, a company out of Oklahoma. Okay. And the name of the company, the lady name is Crystal Perkins. And she has a company called uh, Crystal Perkins Publications. And what they do is they cater to the people in prison and help the people in prison put together um, their books if they write a book. But they charge you for the service because a lot of people in prison don't have nobody that they can call and say, hey, can you upload my book to Amazon? Hey, can you buy me an EIN number? Hey, can you buy me a barcode? Hey, can you get me a book cover made? Hey, can you format? See, a lot of people don't have that in prison. So this is a company that caters to the people in prison, Miss Crystal Perkins, Crystal Perkins Publication. And she charged a fee for, um, you know, helping you put your book together and everything. So I knew her and I called Tracy McGrady and I said, listen, I changed my life. I know I'm still in prison, bro, but trust me, I'm not, this is no prison talk. This is, you know, a man-to-man conversation. I changed my life, you know, and I promised my mom this, that, and the third that I'll do better and I'll become a better person. And I wrote a book and I don't have the money to get published, uh, but I do have a company that help us with getting published, helping people people in prison get published. And um, he said, you know what? He said, you tell the company that, you know, tell them to call me and I see what I can do. I called Crystal Perkins and I said, hey, listen, I need you to call Tracy McGrady because right he said, he you know, he, he gonna um, he gonna see what he can do. See, you know, see what you're gonna charge. To pay. I told him it was 1200 bucks. The lady say, well, you know, my policy is I don't make third party calls So I usually don't call nobody. But since I'm a Houston Rocket fan and a Tracy McGrady fan, i am finna call Tracy McGrady for you. (laughs) So she called him up. And um, the next day, she had to check in her hand. And I can't believe it. I checked the kiosk when I was in prison. The next morning, I got up and it said, check in hand. Wow. And I was like, wow, that was fast. That was fast. He must have put that check on a red eye. So you had so that was
0: your first book. What was the name of your first book?
1: And that Wait, was say, my it first book. Wait, say
0: it again. Say it because you blanked out.
1: Oh yeah, because someone called me. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, that was my first book, and that book is called Saga. Okay. Come on, are you serious <laughs> right now?
0: <laughs> you popular. <laughs> That's okay. So, so it's called um, Saga.
1: It's called Saga, A Living Legend, but that's not the book that I'm pushing right now.
0: Okay, okay.
1: The book is the book that I'm pushing right now is the very last book that I wrote in prison while I was in prison, okay. and this is right here. It's called I Come Before You. That's what it, it's on Amazon. You search my name on Amazon, and you can get the book there. It's called I Come Before You.
0: And for those so, of you who are watching, you can see it, but once this gets uh, over to the audio. You search his name is D E B E L L Hawkins H A W K I N S. And if you are Amazon Prime member, that's even you is that it's included, right? There's no cost for Amazon Prime members or I,
1: uh, I Amazon operate. They, okay. They Prime? <laughs> I don't I have no idea. You know. Yeah, I downloaded but, saga
0: I, and I've been reading that, but I I guess I need to skip to I come before you <laughs> and read that. Yeah, yeah,
1: because the saga is actually getting revised right now. Okay. So, um, yeah, I need to make sure Amazon I told them once before they hard hit it. I told them to take that down off the uh, off the ebook.
0: Well, I downloaded and about a month ago them. when I first reached out to you, so I don't know about now. But if, so if you're listening and you love to read, go to Amazon and download your copy of "I Come Before You" by the Developer. Right,
1: right. But <laughs> so you can get the paperback or you can get the ebook. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh. So, um yeah, so while I'm still in prison, it took me seven years to get my GED. After that, I started writing books. I called Trace McGrady, and he afforded me the opportunity to become a self-published author. And I didn't look back from there. I continued to better myself and everything. And then all of a sudden, 15 years in prison, a miracle happened. And that miracle was Kim Kardashian went to the White House and talked to President Trump about me, about a law that affects directly me and a lot of other people, right? Mm-hmm. And I come not believe it. Now, the whole time, the 15 years I've been in, there wasn't no law that benefits uh, uh, career career offenders. If you was a career offender, They had no laws in place that would actually help you get out early or, you know, shorten your time, your prison time or anything like that.
0: So what's a career offender for those of us that don't know, i.e. Right.
1: Right. So um, Kim Kardashian, when it spoke up for me, uh, spoke up for uh, uh, the guys, some of the guys that had life sentence. And shortly after the bill is called the First Step Act. If you don't know, the bill is called the First Step Act. Okay. So shortly after she left the White House talking to President Trump, um, and I also had to give Van Jones credit and um, cut 50 credit because they they also fought for this law. Okay. And shortly after she left, um, Trump signed the bill into law and, and I was released on that law. And that's how I get out of prison seven years earlier than I would have been getting out. After 15 years, God put his hands on me again. Covered me again, and and granted me the opportunity, because he knew I was ready to face right. society, but this time in a whole different light, this time in a whole different form, a whole different mindset, this time with a with with a, with a purpose, mm-hmm. this time with something that I'm doing that's bigger than me. I'm fighting for something bigger than myself right now, and so that's you the giving challenge. back
0: to the community instead of taking. I'm giving away
1: back you. to the community um I know people love my stories but let me tell you something this this book right here some people call it messy some people call it drama but at the end of the day them same people call it a good book you hear Mm -hmm. me very entertaining
0: so what is it about give us a synopsis about the book what is it about in in one sentence too you don't want to give it up yeah give them something
1: you better go on Amazon and read the synopsis. Okay. <laughs> they let you read the synopsis free. They let you okay. read the first couple of chapters free. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. Okay, You're you right. Know, You're right. But it's that pressure now. You got okay. to believe It's that pressure. Okay. So I'm gonna go read it. The I'm, gonna say. And I'm gonna put it like this. In one sentence, it's the streets at its finest. Okay. That's the one sentence I'm gonna put it in, and um, and you will enjoy. it. Okay. Yeah. So um <clears throat> yeah, after um, you know, I was granted the opportunity to get out. I haven't like looked back. Um in fact I'm still connected with a couple guys that I was in prison with. They have made it home too. And these it's only like two of them. And they they are authors as well. They authors as well. One on from down south, one on from Georgia. And um, I'm still in I'm still in contact with them guys every now and then, you know, we'll hit each other on social media. We follow each other on social media and stuff like that. CJ Cooley. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, so I'm just out here, man, and I'm just using my influence and, and I'm, I'm using, you know, um, the steps and, and everything that I took in life to help some of the, the younger guys Mm-hmm. you know uh be a better them you know you, you notice that a- when you
0: return back to the community have you been able to uh positively impact some youngsters that are there have have you noticed that some people that were on the streets they stop because of you because they see your story or are you still working massaging them
1: in that I'm, I'm still i'm still working them you know it's hard it's hard to come in a community where you know it's like every man for themselves, and they kind of fight to survive it's hard to just come in a community with nothing to provide i can't provide anything right now financially because i'm not able to provide for them or i'm not able to make a a a legit a solid way for them like Mm -hmm. um consistently Mm -hmm. you know they can come work with me if they want to because i just started up um you know, a mobile detailing. So, you know, if y'all want to make a few dollars, man, y'all can come work with me and um and make some money that way. But you know, a lot of these guys they want money in both. Mm-hmm. They want they want it. You know, they want it plentiful.
0: They want thousand dollar blink money. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They yeah. they don't want to work with me and you know only make a hundred and fifty dollars a day. I mean, you make that on a job. Or uh, yeah. you know, they want to make you know five thousand, two thousand, three thousand a day. You know, so they they kind of like. Used to the lifestyle they're in, but they they listen to me. They listen to me. They take my advice. Now I can say like a couple of them have kind of eased off the streets a little bit and kind of got a job now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's only a couple, and then I got a couple more that I that I influenced to start writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have one guy <clears throat> that um finished the whole book already. He written a whole book. He's right out of Lakeland. Well, he's right here from Winter Haven, but he's living in Lakeland, Florida, right now. Um, Hurt okay. Jackson, yeah, you know, I'm get him a shout out. You know, um, he called me from time to time, and he 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 wrote a book, and he's working on his second book right now. You know, due to the fact you know having conversations with me, mm-hmm. and and me able to kind of like, you know, influence him a little bit, you know, in a positive in a positive way, and. I'm real proud of this young man, you know, because he de- he's determined, you know, and he has he has a he has a um, he has an old lady and kids. I don't know if it's his wife or not, but could be his wife and kids, and he's trying to provide for them, and and he's doing everything that he could and the most positive way to do so. So, you know, I, I'm serving my purpose out here, you know, and I am touching live slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. I will be speaking soon. I'm trying to put together some um, engagements. One uh, Haven High School basketball coach, he's asked, He's actually um, has something in the making for me to speak to the, the kids or whatever. And I have a homie, uh, has a, a, a college, has a small college on um, putting together some stuff for me to speak. Whoa, whoa, we call it whoa whoa. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, I'm I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, as much as I can right now. So and you have
0: the resources, what what is your vision? Like how do you want to impact the community? If you have the money right now, money was not an issue, what do you see yourself doing to help impact the community?
1: I put, I put together some type of workforce program where I have contracts with certain companies that will give these young men an opportunity to work and make a, a good living on their jobs without, mm-hmm. you know, going through the hassle. It'll be a cut through the red tape thing with right. my company. You know, where if you come in with my company, don't worry about your background. Don't worry mm-hmm. about you being a convicted fellow. You just come in through my company and we're going to get you a job wh- wherever you uh, would like with the jobs that's on our list, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's at right. public Warehouse, whether it's at a uh, Walmart warehouse, whether it's, you know, uh, some type of electrician job, whatever, you know, I will put together uh, some stuff like that for well, a lot of- they trust that you
0: vetted the applicant and they trust your word no matter what their right. background is. Here he is, here she is.
1: Right, it's, it, it'll worker. be- it don't matter if it don't matter if y'all haven't gave them a first chance, which mm-hmm. we'll I don't even, I don't even must want to say second chance. Yeah, we'll put it as first chance. It'll be a first chance opportunity for any convicted felon or any young man out here on these streets to get a job, to have help with the application. We'll have hands-on help with applications mm-hmm. where they can sit down with someone who can help them fill out the application and everything that whole, go through the whole process. You know, Um, that's what I do. That's what I do. And I also have like um, after school programs for the younger kids and these single moms out here Mm -hmm. who struggle to pay like daycare bills and stuff like that, who struggle to um, get their kids in and out of school and trying to work a job. And you know, they get off at five o'clock, the kid get out of school at three o'clock, 3.30, they trying to find ways to, to make sure their kids are safe and everything. I put together a strong um, program that will um, afford the opportunity for and them to. And hard.
0: That's hard. Yeah. I'm looking at, I have a and I'm looking at uh, summer programs right now. And I'm like, the cost, right. I mean, it costs a lot for you to put your kids somewhere. No matter wh- what your upbringing, where you live, it costs a lot. So I can imagine a single mom working a couple jobs, don't have nowhere yeah, for the kids.
1: Especially if, if she got more than a kid. Yeah, they're at home. Yeah, yeah
0: doing so, whatever they want to do so yeah that's a
1: lot so i have a yeah, question that's, that's, uh, I, I will reach back in the community that way because these are the people who actually needs to help you right. know when you see when you see uh uh halftime commercials where they are uh, the nfl or the nba wherever you see halftime commercials where they say oh st joe's hospital or where well, they gonna help these type of kids or uh, not not even the disabled kids or the kids that fall council so i'm not talking about them kids but i'm just talking about kids in general a lot of them kids already been they already live in uh, upscale areas right what about the kids in the property area
0: yeah that's true I'm
1: gonna talk i'm gonna target my own community first so if i had that opportunity that's what i'll do and and, and i'll talking about and i'll make it so uh, i make a big deal out of it.
0: I think you'll be great. You'll be a great spokesperson. You have, you know, you've been through it. You're passionate yeah. about it. So I and think... Also, and, also, I
1: want, and I also want to say, I don't think the government have enough resources when they let these people out of prison that's been gone for more than 10 years. Mm. Um, they don't have enough resources in the resources they do have. They like hush-hush resources because you have to... They, they so hush-hush like they secretive. You know, you have to kind of do so much research to find out about these things. I think the government should start making an effort more to put those resources in front of the people who's getting out of prison, been gone for a long time because uh, as somewhat they are mentally, uh, they're not, they, they mentally damaged, put it in, in a sense. after you do so much time. You know, it's like institutionalized type stuff. And, Trying to get back out here in society and live uh, uh, a comfortable life and live a positive life. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not easy. It's easier to relapse than to live a positive life mm-hmm. yeah. when out the So after that's then, a good
0: segue, because I, I have um one of our guests, um, Tasha, she wants to know how was it for you to serve that many years, you know, mentally? How did you um I can imagine you were busy writing. Your book and trying to get your yeah, I, but how did you maintain your main been,
1: sanity? Well, I always had that leadership capability. Um, just like if you hear me when I was talking about how I broke the law, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you never really heard me say me and a group of guys did things together. Sure. So I always had that leadership um mentality, and that's what helped me push through the the, the mental challenge. Of doing so much time because I just believe in me Mm -hmm. versus believing in someone else. You know, I believe in me and I I am a a headstrong person. So, and I have that leadership capability. So, that's what helped me kind of push through it. Some guys get weak, some guys is just not really built for that. That's Mm -hmm. just like some guys really ain't built for these streets. Yeah, and they they act like they such gangsters and this that and the third. And as soon as they get in the back seat of the police car, they cry like like babies. You know. I what I mean? do you
0: still have contact with this particular roommate you
1: had? No, no, no. He he won't even much look me in my eyes when I see him. But he wanna ride around here, like 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 he he a kingpin again. Uh, but, oh, but he's I'm still
0: kingpin. in the same.
1: Yeah, he's still in the same community. Ride right around here like you know what I'm saying, like like he that dude but I don't, I don't talk to him you know what I mean wow. and I'm definitely not gonna say his name on on this platform no platform that I'm ever on yeah. so um don't even think about it bro yeah keep doing yeah. what you're doing keep doing <laughs> what you're doing and you'll get what you deserve you know what I mean because I'm on some most of man you know what I mean yeah, yeah so. so
0: what's your next project so you have the three books don't you have another book that you're working on
1: as well yeah I'm working on I'm working on my biography right now you know about me hopefully by the end of this year i'll be finished with it if not it'll be sometime early next year but this is one you don't want to miss because y'all you know how y'all females be hollering about y'all about dropping the t or the t this or that is this the one you don't want to miss because guess what i ain't holding about nothing man they can call it what they want to call it only (laughs) care, (laughs) care about nobody else's opinion because at the end of the day my life is my life your life is your life so if you don't like what I say, if I put it out there and you don't like what I say, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a man, dog. So it is what it is. But I'm going to put it out there. You know what
0: so I mean? But now, now that you're out of prison, do you still go to that same publisher? Um, what was her name? Um yeah, I, 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 Perkins, I, I, or do you do your own publishing now? Like, what is that going to look like? I'm,
1: I'm self-published. I'm self-published. But I, I always call her for advice and, you know, kind of let her know what I want to do. And, and she always give me some good corners and, and lead me in the right direction. Um, a lot of people don't do that, but she she really want to see me winning. So um, I, I still have a good relationship with Miss Crystal Perkins. And, and I want to thank her for uh, giving the guys that's locked up an opportunity to use her service to better themselves.
0: Right.
1: So thank you, Miss Crystal that's Perkins. Amazing. I appreciate yeah. you.
0: And I'll be sure I'll look up her website or whatever. I'll make sure that I uh, put, put, put the plug out there for hers. I wrote it down. So, so for someone who's out there who wants to write a book, they don't don't know where to start. They think it's impossible. What would you say to them?
1: I would say, don't try, don't try and write your book in order. Mm -hmm. Write what's on your mind because whatever on your mind, um, You'll, you'll get the best story out if you just focus on what's on your mind at the time. You can always format the book later and put the stories in the right um, places they belong. And your thoughts are the best part of your story. So don't never be walking around or driving around and you have a thought and thinking you, you can come back to that thought later because it ain't gonna happen. Whenever you have a thought, you need to write it down. ASAP. Uh, it gets you uh, uh, they, they got these uh, smartphones. I mean, record yourself talking to yourself when you have a thought, because that's the best part of your story. And you would not get that thought back if you think you can remember it. Trust me. I challenge you. Mm -hmm. I challenge you right now today. If you think you can remember a thought, just try and watch what happens. It's not going to be the same.
0: It won't be the
1: same. Yeah. So, so I really, really, um advise you guys to, to, to write down your thoughts immediately or use your iPhone to record your thoughts immediately because that's the best part of your story that you will be writing. I promise you it is. So um, that's my advice for you guys, man. And you can hit me, DeVale Hawkins, Instagram, DeVale Hawkins, oh, Facebook, man. all social media. If you have a question for me, man, I will do my best to answer it for you. If you wanna upload your book to Amazon, I, I advise you to, to hit YouTube and, and, and ask YouTube how to upload your book because they have like, um they have sessions on there that'll help you and show you, you know, step-by-step step how to upload your book to Amazon. It is free. It is free for Amazon to upload your book. But I also advise you to, uh, if you're gonna become a self-published author, I advise you to, um, Purchase your own ISBN number, purchase your own barcode. Please purchase that because then you can market your book on any platform when you purchase it. If you get a ISBN number or barcode from Amazon, because Amazon would give it to you free. But when you want to try and get your book on Book uh, Amelia, when you want to get your book on... Um, Barnes and Noble, when you want to get your book on BookBug, or uh, all of these other platforms that sell books,
0: they Enough may them. not
1: accept, they <sighs> may not accept your <sighs> barcode, your ISBN number directly from Amazon, which is the free one, because they are They are competitors. I know I probably blanked out because that's a good off.
0: that's a good no we heard you that's a good nugget because people are, oh it's free but it's like an exclusivity they don't want Amazon doesn't want you to put your book somewhere else so obviously they're it's probably a marketing thing so so how does one go about and right. getting the ISBN and it's just is it free to do that or you do pay somebody else no to- you
1: you know you all no, you, uh, I can't remember the website but there is a website um
0: well you don't have to think about it, but is it like a hundred dollars? Yeah, less? There's or... a
1: website you can go to. <laughs> <Ooh>. That's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> Am I back? I came you bet. back.
0: You back, you back.
1: Yeah, there's a website you can go to. Um, I will dig it up for you guys if you really need it or you really want it, you serious about it, and you can just hit me up in my DM or, or or my inbox and um and I'll provide that to you. I just can't think of it off the top of my head, but you can purchase it there. And, uh, and at that point, you can kind of like uh, market your book on any platform once you buy the barcode and ISBN number. Cool. Yeah. Well,
0: I we've been here for an hour and a half, and I think the people, they get it. Like, they, they know your story. I have some other questions, but you kind of covered it, and I'm just excited to have you here. Thank you so much for blessing us with your story, um, telling us how you overcame it, giving us some detail, being transparent. I know it's not um well it's probably easy for you now because this is your calling so um i do have one last question i ask all my guests and the question is that my motto is obviously i love sun so if you can't find the sunshine be the sunshine so what does that mean to you
1: um that means don't wait on don't wait on nobody to give you anything make a way for yourself um and always understand that everybody has a skill. So tap into something that you are good at doing and don't mm-hmm. let nobody tell you you can't do it and, mm-hmm. and, and put it to work and you will shine. Absolutely. And you, you will win. That's so is there right.
0: anything else you want to tell? I, I want people to, if they're just tuning in or tuning in late, don't forget to go to Amazon to uh either download a digital copy of his book or you can get the hard copy that is Davelle d-e-v-e-l-l hawkins h-a-w-k-i-n-s um you find him on facebook instagram thank you for joining us this week on Conversations. be sure to subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content you want to hear if you love this episode, be sure to share it with your family and friends. And remember, always bring your own sunshine. Never let anyone steal your joy. See you next time.